Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Green Dragon Podcast. I am your host, Aiden. And your fellow host, Tom. Your fellow host, Jake. We're back this week for part two of the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. We ended last week uh, with South Carolina seceding from the Union, the first state to secede from the Union, which kind of kicked off the Civil War. Uh, Last week, if you haven't listened to it, uh, we talked about Abraham Lincoln, his early life, his early political career. We talked about Abraham Lincoln, the lawyer, Abraham Lincoln, the wrestler, Abraham Lincoln, the fence, the world's best fence, you know, post driver. What was that time? Was it best fence maker in the in Indiana? I think that's right. We talked shit about Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and indiana so if you if you hate either of those states you know it's worth a listen um but today we're gonna continue the abraham lincoln story and we'll be talking about abraham lincoln as president we'll t- be talking about uh his presidency the civil war and then his death and kind of his legacy so looking forward to this one i think it'll be another interesting podcast i i enjoyed last week's podcast a lot so it's always good when you get to do kind of like a whole deep dive on a single person i find it enjoyable especially somebody like abraham lincoln because you learn different things you hear that you know you always hear the same things in the history books and it gets kind of repetitive but when you do these deep dives you start to uncover a little bit more about their person Yeah, definitely. I guess my initial thought, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure how um, how interesting his uh, early life would be just because I didn't know too much about it and therefore assumed that there wasn't much to delve into there. But yeah, no, I was uh, pleasantly surprised with how how much there was to dig into there in the first podcast. So super excited for this one to continue the discussion. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I don't know, you just like, you start to, I think a lot of times when you read about a person in the history books, it's easy to just kind of get this once kind of this single sided idea or picture of who that person was. But then when you do the deep dive on their early life, you start to especially Abraham Lincoln, at least, um, because he's known for kind of his later, later years in life. Um, you start to kind of paint this picture of, of who this person was and, and how that influenced them. So it's always really neat to kind of see the, the foundations of um, how a person's personality and all that was developed. Yeah, that was, I don't know if we touched on it last podcast, but I know that kind of a recurring theme in his life was his battle with depression. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it seemed like he wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't really a happy guy. Exactly. So that was something I didn't know about him. But again, one of those things that you uh, pick up on when you look, take a little, a uh, little closer look at his personal life. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was interesting, too, because, again, you just don't hear about that. Um, it's yeah, it's interesting to I think it's easy to see somebody that was as successful as he was as president and just say oh you know he was he was just this gung-ho type guy especially you know the the person that's responsible for keeping the united states together 
for ending slavery, all these things. Like you kind of just think, I mean, he's just a, a pretty solid guy, a tough guy. I mean, but he was pretty, I mean, he had his, he had his tough, he had, he had his moments where he was tough, but he also, I think, yeah, like you said, he struggled a lot with just depression and happiness a lot. I think he kind of just struggled with, you know, where he was going. I think he had a couple, a couple children die young mm -hmm. too, if I remember right. So that was, that yeah. probably contributed. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, I think he just dealt with a lot of, um, a lot of loss in his life. And I wonder if that, if, if that played a role, cause he lost his, his birth, uh, his actual biological mother very young. We talked a little bit about that in the last podcast and, and his stepmom became a, a very important figure in his life. Um, and he lost some of his siblings then to uh, early childhood death. I mean, it was pretty common back then um, for if, if there was a health complication in a younger person under the age of like really 20, uh, you know, your chances of survival were pretty low. So I think he lost a, a, a few siblings actually. And then, like you said, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, but yeah, he lost, um, he lost, uh, early in his presidency, his son, Willie. And, um, I think just kind of that, that, I think there was a lot of loss that followed him in life. And I think that weighed on him heavily. I think a lot of things, I think he was one of those people, maybe that, I don't know what you guys think about this, but it seemed like a lot of the issues that he stood up for, like slavery too. I think those things, I don't like it weighed heavily on his conscience. Um, the war weighed heavily on his conscience. Um, the deaths that were involved in the war, I think, weighed heavily on his conscience. So I think he was just, I think he held on to a lot of that, um, a lot of the pains of other people. I don't know what the word for that is. I know there's a word for that or that type of personality. Like, he, uh, like sympathized, empathized yeah. with um, um, also from. He also had an abusive father as well, mm -hmm. so that especially, I think, um, caused him to have some more sympathy for the slaves' plight as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's it. I think I think early on he developed this deep sense of empathy for people, and that's why he got into law because he wanted to make a difference there. But I think, you know, throughout his life, you kind of see this repetitive pattern of him dealing with a lot of really tough things and um really kind of putting the that burden onto his shoulders which i think weighed on him heavily and sometimes to his to his mental the detriment of his mental health too but um yeah it's it's all it's all really interesting um to see how that how that shapes a shapes a person, especially somebody as influential as, as he was. After South Carolina seceded um, from the Union in December of 1860, uh, Lincoln in 1861, you know, now that he's been uh, elected president, he departs from Springfield, Illinois, where he was living at the time. Uh, with his family and they make their way to dc for his inauguration 
and it they they took that trip from Springfield to DC. Originally, he was actually supposed to go to Baltimore um, by train, and um, it was about a sixteen day trip. And during those six day sixteen days, like a lot happened. There was, um, I mean, you know, we're talking early on. I mean, he's he's headed to DC for his inauguration, and already the the um the south is or you know kind of the the pro-slavery groups are, are planning his demise from day one um they actually planned a possible uh, you know they, they planned an assassination attempt and they actually had to divert the his travel plans from going going into baltimore uh, maryland and actually they diverted to go secretly into dc so right off the bat like you've got this i mean i i guess i didn't realize that like like how immediate the opposition to lincoln really started to try to take action against him in like a very violent way um and i i think like i just i i, I don't know i just thought that was kind of crazy um there's actually a book and I started to read it and it's pretty interesting. It's um, a book on Abraham Lincoln and those six uh, and kind of everything that was going on during those 16 days, everything Lincoln was thinking about as he was on this train. I mean, you got to imagine you're on a train for 16 days. You have a lot of time to think you're, you know, you just had a state secede from the union. You're kind of, you've got this, you know, looming, impending civil war in the back of your mind you've got all you know all this turmoil and then on top of it you know your your train gets diverted your travel plans get diverted because the states or the the people that don't like you were trying to kill you like i mean i can't imagine and I, i'm really excited to to finish this book um to kind of get a, a full grasp of like what that time looked like i mean it's a little over two weeks i i it's mind blowing that that much was happening in those two weeks. So, yeah, to I'll, I'll give you guys an update once I've completed that. Maybe we'll have to do like a, a follow up podcast just on that. But um, it's really, really interesting. So he makes it to D.C., right? He avoids the assassination attempt and then he's inaugurated president on the 16th or he's inaugurated the 16th president on March 4th. So. He makes it, he's president now, and then like <laughs> literally uh, like a, a little over a month later, on April 12th, the Confederates um, fire on Fort Sumter, and we talked about that in the Civil War podcast, but like he's not even like freshly in like, uh, he's a little over a month and he's already got, you know, a, you know, a, a federal fort being attacked by the Southern states. He's got one state, you know, one state that seceded before that. Now he's got a bunch of other states seceding from the, I mean, it's just a nightmare right out of the gates. That's what, like, you look at, like, how quickly these events unfolded, and you're just like, wow. Like, the fact that he, he was able to, like, have one of the most impactful presidencies out of, you know, all the presidents we've had, it's pretty incredible. And I think it shows, like, that like the testament of his like will and strength to 
follow through with what he set out to do. Yeah, it's it's difficult enough to inherit um, the leadership of a country that's stable, but talk about a talk about a trial by fire. I mean, he walks in, walks in, basically month one. He's he's inherited a country that's falling apart, and I think it's worth remembering too that like this was his first leadership position. He'd never served. Um, as a like he wasn't am i thinking about that right i know they mentioned in um the last podcast that he wasn't uh like he he went right from serving as a lawyer right to being president i mean yeah essentially i mean he served he was elected as a whig candidate for like county okay um into the lower house of illinois which was like the general assembly of illinois um and then he went back to he served in the house of representatives from 44 to 49 1844 okay. to 1849 but still like i mean he, so yeah house, it wasn't house, house of representatives yeah. i mean he wasn't he wasn't in dc yeah um, it's not the not the responsibility of like having a people behind your back yes whereas say a governor uh, even a senator to some extent so mm-hmm. and, yeah. and then and then yeah. after 49 he took i mean it wasn't until 1860 that he really got back into politics. Then he served, you know, he went back to his, his law career after that. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like he was a career politician by any means. He was kind of in law, got into the house, you know, got, he, he represented Illinois in the house of representatives and then it was kind of yeah. back to law for him. So. Yeah. So this really was, was new territory for him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about just, you know, trial by fire. I mean, he, just thrown right into it <laughs> it's crazy yeah um yeah it's crazy to think about also i should mention guys one of the the reasons um and i i had a note and i didn't touch on this in our civil war podcast we had talked about um how baltimore was actually like a slave owned like you could own slaves in baltimore and that's one of the reasons they had to divert him to dc instead of baltimore because there was a lot of um confederate sympathizers in baltimore i don't know if you guys remember that but they were actually they had to basically when lincoln became president after they bombed for some he basically was like aim the cannons he's like basically threaten the people of baltimore <laughs> to, to to stay in the union because he was worried they were going to join the the south's resistance too so that's one of the reasons you know why Baltimore was, they, they moved him away from Baltimore on his trip into, um, to be inaugurated because there was such a strong, a heavy, um, presence of, of Confederate sympathizers and pro-slavery people in, in Maryland and Baltimore at the time. And I think a lot of that had to do with a lot of, during the slave trade, a lot of the slaves had arrived on ships into the port of Baltimore. So just kind of became a, a hub, so to speak. Um, so yeah, just wanted to put that out there because I, I had seen the note. Um, and then if you're interested in the book, uh, it's called Lincoln on the Verge. So it's just 13 Days to Washington It's by Ted Wilmer. I'll put the link in the, the description. So um, check it out if you're interested. But anyways, so yeah, thrown right into this. You've got the bombing of, of Fort Sumter. You know, obviously they had to turn 
the fort over to the Confederates. Um, that was like the official start of the Civil War. And then, you know, right after it, I mean, he got he got to work. April That was April 12th. April 15th, he issued a proclamation at basically calling for 75,000 volunteers. Um, and then April 19th, he sent out his proclamation of blockading the ports in several southern states to kind of shut down the trade, to kind of shut down the rebellion. And like we had talked about in the Civil War podcast, um, the goal, I mean, it, from the start, I mean, they were like, this is going to be a three-month war, 90-day war. You know, we'll get the, we'll get this out of, you know, we'll get the, the fighting out of their systems and we'll just go back to normal. Life. They really thought it was going to be over in 90 days. Um, turned out that wasn't the case. And we talk a little bit about that and why effectively the, the North didn't shut down the rebellion. And that was mostly due to the leadership of the army. And you can learn about that more in our Civil War podcast, three-part series. It was we went kind of really in depth in there but it really should have been shut down in 90 days but it wasn't um so that kind of set that's a your first two months as president that that will really set the tone um and so yeah i mean after that it was you know really they you got neck deep into the civil war um You've got, uh, I mean, some major dates to just kind of throw out there. If you if you're looking at a timeline, so um, like I said, April uh, April twelfth, eighteen sixty one, Fort Sumter. Then July twenty first, the the first Battle of Manassas was fought in Manassas, Virginia. Battle of Bull, the first Battle of Bull Run, um, and that was kind of the point I think where Lincoln and the Union realize that oh like this isn't just going to be over in 90 days um this is going to be a conflict that really will be drawn out for at least a year um and and there wasn't really a site or end in sight so to speak after that and i think that's when you see a shift in I think the way Lincoln approached the war, I thought, I think originally it was just kind of, let's shut this down, let's block up. And then after that, it was whatever needs to be done to keep the union intact needs to be done. I think you kind of saw that shift in his mentality. Um, not to say that that wasn't there from the start, because there was a lot of people that are just like, let the Southern states do what they want to do, kind of that status quo thing. but. I think you saw Lincoln get really, really serious about ending the conflict and keeping the Union together after that first battle in Manassas and the, and the, the amount of lives that were lost. I think the true, um, what's the word? The true gravity of the situation really had sunk in at that point. I thought it was interesting too, how his relationship with the, with the Union Army generals developed as well. And um, yeah, I think we mentioned in the our Civil War podcast that the Union they had some they had some characters for uh, in for their leadership initially in the army. Not uh, not all of a of a good nature. Some of them, in fact, seemed like they were 
pretty pretty disrespectful towards Lincoln and didn't really think much of him. There's uh there's one story about General McClellan who actually snubbed Lincoln one time at his own house. Um, Lincoln paid him a visit. Uh, was waiting in his parlor and he he ended up walking through another room and going upstairs, going to sleep. So just totally totally avoiding him and Lincoln to his credit showed a pretty great deal of great deal of patience um he made even managed to joke about it said something like like as long as he keeps winning battles then he can uh, can ignore me all he wants so um yeah definitely definitely kept a sense of humor about it and i think it's a testament to the people skills that he had developed along the way and was able to maintain throughout uh or maintain some difficult relationships throughout the war too yeah, I think that the the relationship he had with a lot of his leaders was shaky at best. I mean, he the, the kind of the the there was there was two there was the north and the south and they had very opposite um one had very good leadership and the other had very poor leadership at the beginning of the war. And the north was on the the poor leadership end and McClellan was the prime example that he actually was a, a he wanted to actually run against Lincoln. And he actually, after he was relieved of his post as general of the Union Army, he actually went and then did run against Lincoln in um, in uh, 1864. So he wasn't exactly like a, a really stand-up general, that's for sure. But I think it's interesting. One of the things I found fascinating is, you know, you think of Lincoln, you think of the, you know, he's kind of regarded um as like this, this great, he is, he's regarded as a great leader of the, of the union of, of the United States. So you just kind of automatically assume everybody liked him, especially in the North, but that really wasn't the case. A lot of people disagreed with him um, or didn't really care for him. And that just kind of shocks me. Like you, you, you think about the guy that's leading your country in a civil war and there's people in the North that don't really like the guy. They could care less about like, and I, I think a lot of people wanted stat. Like, I think it goes back to the status quo thing. A lot of people just wanted status quo and he wasn't giving them status. Like he was fighting for something greater and they didn't understand it. And, um, and I think that just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And they didn't like that. They just wanted to get, they, they were kind of selfish. They wanted to go back to their own lives and, he said, "No, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna fight this out and and keep the union together." I just thought that was interesting because you just kind of think of him as like this beloved leader of the North, and that wasn't the case. Well, <clears throat> I have this really cool book, guys. I got this in school. If you can see that, um, it's the writings of Lincoln. Um, and I just was looking through my notes here, and I came across this one that I thought you guys would appreciate. Kind of to show like where his thoughts were on slavery and um, like the the union. And um, one of them was saying that quote, "They're thinking it's right us. Uh, they're thinking about slavery, the South, um, and are thinking it wrong." It's a precise fact upon which depends the whole controversy. 
Thinking it right, as they do, they're not to blame for desiring its full recognition, but as being right. But thinking it wrong, as we do, can we yield, out, yield it to them? Can we cast our votes with their view and against our own? In view of our moral, social, and political responsibilities, can we do this? So he was very, um, I think, thoughtful in his, his reasoning for choosing to keep the union together. Like there's that part in the, the podcast we listened to prep for this. Um, I think it was a Civil War history podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you guys remember that part where people are asking him about the union staying together. It's like when he started to set up the Washington. And he was like, well, we can't just let it fall apart. There's so much more at stake here than just not wanting to be a part of the union. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I think I have a lot of respect for how deeply he thought about everything. I think he thought much more deeply about things than any other person that I have seen in the support. I think he thought about it more deeply than Jefferson Davis. I think he understood things a lot more deeply than Robert Lee. And so I think he he had in his mind a whole, almost like, uh, I don't know what you call that, like full map out of what exactly he saw that needed to be, or stay the same in America and what needed to improve. And I think that he really understood that when you try to separate the country, like that, that quickly without a good plan in place, things are just going to go really, really south. Oh, oops, there's a pun there. But like, <laughs> um, just how he understood that you couldn't really keep America if you wanted to have slaves. That was a breaking point. And then you can't really have two Americas because then you would have them based on different constitutions and the South hadn't planned out anything. It sounded like, they're just like, no, we're done. And then they don't have a form of government. They don't have what they stand for. They don't have like what their future is going to look like. Like at least with the, in the declaration, the founding fathers were thinking about this for a long time before the declaration. They're like, yeah, this has been like 15 years. We've been thinking about this. We have some plans, ideas, what we like, what we don't like, and then we'll put that in place. It just seems like the South was just like having a bad day and they're like, yeah, we're done with this, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think it's interesting you pointed out, Tom, that how deeply Lincoln thought about this. And he really, I think, took into consideration everything. And people just kind of think of, oh, you know, he was you know, opposed, you know, opposed to slavery. And so that's why he, he really felt the, the need to, you know, defeat the South and free the slaves. But I I think while that might be true to some extent, I think he understood the, the bigger picture. He understood that a nation divided would be weak. He understood the foresight of the founding fathers and, and what they believed in and knew that that had to be fought for. The union had to be preserved because 
there was so much more that the country yet had to yet experience. It was it's still a very young country um, at that point, and and it it needed to stay together to preserve that strength, so it could kind of see the see out the full potential of of what our founders really intended. Um, and so look, to have that to have that foresight or and to have that just very deep thoughtfulness towards that as a especially a, a leader that just you know started from I mean like from day one Lincoln had that thoughtfulness. I think that's some maybe something he already had in his mind coming into his presidency um, is this this idea of keeping the nation together so it could become something great and making the nation even better than it was. And I think that's really kind of the, the legacy he left behind is even though, you know, he left behind a, a war torn nation after his death, I think he left behind this legacy of freedom for all. And that's something that improved upon what the founding fathers did and i think he left in in that way he he left the, the nation better he he kind of accomplished what he set out to do which was to improve the nation i actually have a really cool quote to like reinforce your point there if you guys mind me sharing that absolutely yeah <clears throat> so this is a speech at independence hall philadelphia pennsylvania I'm not sure what, oh yeah, it was February 22nd, 1861. Um, so he said, um, I have never had a feeling politically that did not spring from the sentiments embodied in the Declaration of Independence. I have often pondered over the dangers which were incurred by the men who assembled here and adopted the Declaration of Independence. I have pondered over the toils that were endured by the officers and soldiers of the army to achieve that independence. I've often inquired of myself what great principle or idea it was that kept this confederacy so long together. It was not the mere matter of the separation of the colonies from its motherland, but something in that declaration giving liberty, not alone to the people of this country, but hope to the world for all future time. It was that which gave promise that in due time the weight should be lifted from the shoulders of all men and all should have an equal chance. This is the sentiment embodied in the Declaration of Independence. Now, my friends, can this country be saved upon that basis? If it can, I will consider myself one of the happiest men in the world if I can help save it. If, I can't be, if it can't be saved upon that principle, it will be truly awful. But if this country cannot be saved without giving up, principle. I was about to say I would rather be assassinated at this spot than it's a surrender. Wow. That's pretty I mean that that's that sums up I think uh I think really what Lincoln's legacy I mean really is. And it's really cool that like what did you say that was 1861 February? Yeah, the 22nd. The 22nd of February. Okay. So, I mean, that's literally as he arrives to 
DC, you know, to DC. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, because, well, I mean, he, yeah, so, I mean, he, he got on the train and he was inaugurated on March 4th of 61. So it's within that time period. So that's, that's like day one Lincoln and he's putting that out there. And so I understand why it rubbed a lot of the people that didn't like or were pro-slavery in the wrong way. And I think to have that like strength as a leader to come out and just, I think that's something that's missing in today's political leaders is you day one say you're going to do something and then you see it through. And that's, I think, really cool. And to see it through in the way he did, he took it, you know, he didn't back down even when it came to war. I mean, his, he, he knew in his heart that this was right and it was what was best for the country. And it resulted in a civil war. It resulted in his assassination. And yet, you know, that legacy kind of still lives on, which is, is pretty amazing. Really, yeah. Really had a way with words too, didn't he? I mean, Tom, listening to those quotes that you read from, you can can appreciate that he had a very captivating manner of speech, I think, even by by the standards back then, which were very good. I think he was one of those guys that when he talked, people listen. Yeah, I think so. I mean, just basing it off, you know, his list of different proclamations and speeches he gave during his presidency that are like in the in the archives and and held in in regard as some of the the greatest documents of our country's history i mean it's it's impressive it's really impressive i think that harkens back to his habits as a young person when he would just read all the time and then think while he worked all day he seemed like he was the kind of guy that thought very deeply about everything that interested him. He wanted to make sure that he understood it and then could articulate it. And then to show people his point of view in hopes that they all come to the truth, which I think is definitely a mark of a, I think, an honorable leader. Like, I have heard, um, People say that Lincoln wasn't very good. At least from what I've studied here in the podcast, I feel like he's, there's lots of credit to be given to him. I mean, all the stuff he had to deal with, the level of stuff he had to deal with. um, I mean, he was, like we said earlier, like a lot of people didn't like him. People didn't run on his side. Um, They thought he was a little bit going overboard and trying to keep the union together. But I mean, I feel like this is kind of a common thing though, that the good people are usually hit the hardest. And so when someone's hit really hard, then you know they're probably really good. So I don't know what your guys take on that is. I think you're totally right. I was thinking about this today actually, Um, because I was thinking about a lot of the things that are going on currently I was thinking to myself, you know, the people that their message resonates um, with me the most and seem to be the truth, like 
seem to be the closest to the truth, right? Are always the people that are attacked from both sides of the political aisle. Um, you look at people like, you know, not to, not to bring in current news too much, but like you look at people like uh, Tucker, Car Tucker Carlson or, or even Trump too. I mean, these are people that both sides of the aisle, they don't really like them. Um, they're, they're kind of this misfit. They don't really, they don't really fall into the category of conservative, you know, the, the, the Republican or Democrat, you know, they don't fall under those labels. They kind of sit somewhere in between and they have a lot of really amazing ideas. They're just, they, they make the people that are corrupt uncomfortable. And I think that's, I think the same thing as Lincoln. I think he made a lot of people uncomfortable because he was pushing the envelope um, with his ideas in a good way. Um, and I think too, the other thing that I think, actually we mentioned this last podcast, but I was listening to the, the Lex, uh, there was a clip from a Lex Friedman show and he was talking to this guy about how Lincoln was the best leader in, you know, one of the best leaders in world history, not only American history. And that's because of his ability and I think this applies in this situation, but his, he was, a, he was a, he had this idea. He had this dream of what America could be. And he shared that vision from day one. He shared that vision with the American people and his goal as president was not to force that upon the American people, but help the American people fall in love with that vision. And that's like the true sign of a good leader. Not that it's mandated or not that their vision for what the country can be should be forced upon the people, mandated upon the people, but that it should be expressed in a way by that leader for the people then to come to appreciate that viewpoint to if, if they find it to be true. So it's this, it's a leader that helps the, helps the people discover the truth. I think that's something that's really cool. And I think that's what made Lincoln a, one of the greats. Um, and I think that's what makes great leaders today too. And usually those people are persecuted because the people that are typically in power typically don't want the general population to discover the truth. They want to control the truth. And so it's this, it's this, um, it's this game of the people that want to control what truth is and the people that want to help everybody else discover what truth is. So. Yeah, I have one more quote to give you guys. This is from the second inaugural address. This is the last paragraph on it. But I think it also tells, uh, it strengthens your position again. Um, <clears throat> so this is on March 4th, 1865. And he says, quote, with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we end, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, do all which we may achieve and cherish a just and a lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. End quote. That's pretty awesome. 
again, like, just wow. Like, what an amazing, like, writer, speaker, order, all of the above. To be able to not only have those thoughts, but convey those thoughts in a, in a very, like, artistic, beautiful manner is just, I mean, it's an incredible gift. And he did it over and over and over again. Yeah, like, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Lincoln from Steven Spielberg. Yes. You have? It's, it's good. It's really good. Have you seen that one, Jake? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, probably up there. One of my one of my top, top 10 or 15, I would say, historical it's, movies. Daniel Day-Lewis plays Lincoln, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and he's always good. Yeah. Yeah, if you guys haven't, if you listeners haven't watched that, highly recommend. I think it's on, um, is it on HBO or Netflix? It's on one of the two. I know it's on one of the streaming platforms. It's out there. You can find it. But, yeah, no, that, was, yeah, go ahead, Tom. I was just thinking that movie was, I think they did a good job of showing a bit of his eloquence and speech. Mm-hmm. Just because it seemed like, Every time he said something, we were like, "Wow, I have to think about that. That was really deep." Like, he was yeah. just talking to somebody, or like when he's playing with his kids or something like that. He, you can tell that even while he's playing with his son, that he's still thinking about all these things. And like, yeah, there's so many. I think he done. Yeah, we said. Sorry, Tim. Um, I was just gonna say, there's so many historical movies that um, that just ruin the persona of the figures that they're mm. trying to portray. But that definitely was not not one of them. I thought that was pretty accurate as well. Yeah, like you, you had a great respect respect for him, even though it was complicated. Like you're not really sure all the time what he's actually thinking. I think that's another good point. It's like, if you have somebody who's really easy to read all the time, then you kind of know the next move. And with Lincoln, you were like, wow, like, he really knows what's right. It seems like he wants to know what's right and he's going for it. And then people were a little surprised at how strong he can make his position. I think that was shown in the Emancipation Proclamation, like, People are like, well, can you actually bribe the Democrats to do this? And it's like, well, if they'll accept the bribe. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, is that wrong or is that okay? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it kind of toes the line, makes you think a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's like they would do it if you gave them a push. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're actually thinking on their own, they're just kind of going wherever you yeah a lot of stuff here to think about but i'm sorry guys i i feel like i kind of took us down a rabbit hole but no rabbit holes rabbit holes are good um that was all all great content (laughs) okay yeah i thought i just love reading his thoughts on paper because then it's it allows you to kind of enter into his mind and see what's coming from yeah 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 when trying to learn learn more about it who better than uh than the man himself exactly yeah it helps you 
yeah that kind of puts you puts you in his yeah like you said his mind gives you it, it takes you on a little bit of a trip um speaking of the emancipation proclamation time that's the the next kind of key point in his in his presidency um 1862 was a year of, I feel like a lot of sorrow for Lincoln. He lost his son early in 1862, Willie, um, we had mentioned that. Um, so it was a pretty, emo I feel like that year it was especially emotional. Um, and then you had a lot of the, the, a lot of battles that were being fought that were just taking massive tolls um, as far as loss of life went. So, I mean, you know, not only his, you know, public service as president was there a lot of really just difficult moments, but there was also difficult moments in his private life. So he really didn't escape from that. Um, later that year in 1862, September uh, 22nd, he issued the preliminary emancipation proclamation after the union won at the battle of um antimatum on september 17th so that was kind of the first push for the emancipation proclamation and then on january 1st to start out the new year 1863 he issued the final emancipation proclamation so at that point in the war it did seem like the tides were turning i think a little bit and i think because in what was it later that year 1863 in july you had the battle of gettysburg um and then vicksburg later so it was like a series of really big wins for the union that that year was the turning point in the war but yeah you had that this this massive this this massive event in u.s history i mean you really think about the emancipation proclamation and what that means um and it solidifies, like we talked about before, and kind of Lincoln's thoughts on this, it solidified the, what should have been in the Declaration of Independence. And that is that all men are created equal and should have the same rights. Um, and so that's a pretty monumental moment. And I think that, I think that moment, if, if he already wasn't, you know, locked in as, one of the greats that really locked him in as one of the greats historically because you know he followed through with something that even the founding fathers knew they should follow, you know knew they should do but didn't follow through with you see maybe we talked about this in our some of our other podcasts about Thomas Jefferson and George Washington you know slavery from the beginning was a contentious issue and both Washington and Jefferson I think in their hearts knew it was wrong and it should be abolished, but weren't willing to take the steps necessary to end it. And their belief was that it would cause a civil war. And guess what? It did. Um, but Lincoln, you know, had the, had the balls, so to speak, to see it through and, you know, go to war, keep the union together and end slavery. And, and so that moment, I'm sure for him was, to see through something that he had promised, as you read, Tom, for the, 
from the very beginning of his presidency. I had to, I have to imagine it was an amazing moment for not only the country but for that that, that sense of accomplishment and kind of that weight lifted off his shoulders, so to speak. Um, to know that he had done everything in his power to do to to complete what he set out to do. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially that many years after we started it out, like all those battles fought, at least to see some victory happening was probably a huge consolation for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, not to mention, I probably was helping at least the southern slaves, at least seeing them as like, well, we are Americans, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though it was a really difficult time for them, at least the North was trying to say, like, we don't, we're not trying to stop America from growing. It's just like, we're just kind of tired of what the South is doing. Mm-hmm. But we still want America and we still want you guys to be part of America. So I hope that message came through a little bit at least, even though it was a really, really trying time for everyone. Yeah, I think, um, I don't think it was totally recognized probably until later, that message that he was trying to get through, but um, I think the the lasting effects of the, the proclamation have brought us in the end closer together as a country, even though there has been turmoil since, obviously, with a lot of the things that have gone on in the last hundred years too. I mean... Not to say that this was like a a quick fix by any means or any stretch of the imagination. Obviously, we still deal with a lot of the the divisions from what slavery did to our country today. Um, but this was, I think, one of the greatest moments in in the because it started the ability for there to be healing in the country so yeah if you haven't read the emancipation proclamation i would recommend we can link something in the show notes too for you guys to go read it because again it's just another beautiful piece of of writing um and uh i would highly recommend going and reading that shortly thereafter again i mean this was his year for amazing pieces of of uh of writing because so you had the battle of gettysburg obviously what um the the bloodiest battle fought on american soil so in november on november 19th uh lincoln goes to the, the battlefield in gettysburg and gives gettysburg address probably one of his that's probably his most famous piece of um or his famous speech uh, if you're going to look at Lincoln's speeches, the Gettysburg Address. And I think, again, like it's just another one of those moments where his ability to convey what he's thinking um, really comes through. And at least when I read the Gettysburg Address, it it makes me realize that, you know, is is um 
much as Lincoln was willing to go to all all ends to you know keep the union together i think he understood the the gravity of what it meant to be at war um and what how important it was for the nation even in the middle of its darkest time as a you know kind of a, a split nation to remember that the american people were one and that even though at this point we were fighting against each other we're still all americans and so that really came through um i feel like in the gettysburg address it it's a very i feel like it, it came from the bottom of lincoln's heart if you read the the gettysburg address you really feel like the deep sorrow he feels because he sees a nation divided brothers killing brothers and you really feel that in his address. And it's kind of, I feel like, a, a call to the American people, North, the, you know, the, the North and South, to make amends, make peace, come together, stop fighting. And it didn't happen until later, but I think to have that outlook as a leader, not hold either side, you know, not hold your, your enemy in yeah not not holding anything against them and try to unite the american people even in its darkest time i think it's pretty pretty amazing yeah it, it really is amazing i mean to have that type and level of um foresight and stability inside of a situation of that magnitude is very um, remarkable and honorable. Something that I think you can kind of just feel from Lincoln. You just feel like he's the boss, he knows what's going on, and you should probably listen to what he has to say, even if even if you don't like him, it seems like he definitely has a lot of well-examined thought that he shared. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, and then shortly thereafter, he issued the proclamation of amnesty and re uh, reconstruction, which basically gave lenient terms for former Confederates to rejoin the Union if they wanted to, which is pretty cool. So you saw that kind of like that olive branch, so to speak, and him trying to reach out and and make peace with the South even before the war had ended, which is pretty amazing. Um, and so, yeah, then moving forward, um, he this is going into the 1864 election. He's you know nominated presidential candidate for the Republican Party. He's um, he was doubtful of his chances for reelection. Um, and he actually wrote a memorandum pledging to work with the president-elect to save the union. Um, and he requested the cabinet members to sign the sealed document without seeing its contents. That was on August 23rd, 1864. Um, shortly thereafter, it looked, the war started to, to, as we talked about the Civil War podcast, started to take a, you know, after the Battle of Gettysburg, you had the Sherman's campaign in Atlanta. 
Atlanta fell to Sherman September 1st. And you know, on November 8th, you know, the, the war by then the war is kind of coming to a close and, and Lincoln's actually reelected as president on November 8th, 1864. Um, on Christmas of that year, he received a telegram from Sherman saying that, um, you know, he basically prevented Savannah, Sherman pre presented Savannah, Georgia as a, as a Christmas gift to Lincoln, basically saying, you know, if the war was over, it's like Sherman fashion. He's kind of a tough guy. Um, but yeah, so at this point, the war has almost come to a, a complete close. I mean, the Southern army's basically been crushed at this point. Um, and then Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation in 1865, or in January of 1865 is solidified as the U.S. House of Representatives passed joint resolution to the U.S. Constitution um, to abolish slavery. So that's the day where it all comes together and the amendment was sent to the states for ratification and became the 13th amendment in December. So pretty awesome. Then March 4th of the 1865 was his second inauguration. And then a month later, the war ends or the war kind of officially comes to a close as Confederate General Robert E. Lee surrenders uh, to Grant at Appomattox Courthouse. So there were some skirmishes and Southern Army didn't fully um, surrender completely, but that's kind of the defining moment when the Civil War's ended. Lincoln has led the Union to victory as, it's, as, as commander in chief. He's abolished slavery and pretty successful. But, you know, that's not the end of the story, obviously, as most of you all know. Um, kind of leads us into his assassination. So April 9th, obviously, Appomattox um, Court is the, the surrender at Appomattox Courthouse. April 11th, Lincoln delivers his final public speech. And in my research on this, this is... Um, one of the first times Lincoln expresses his support for like um, African American suffrage, um, like outside of outside of this, you know, obviously he addressed slavery many times, but the actual you know black suffrage, um, and kind of really advocated for the assimilation of you know African Americans back and 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 people of color back into. Um, just normal American life. And this was a statement that incited a member of the audience, John Wilkes Booth. Um, and he vowed that, quote, this was the last speech that he will ever make referring to Lincoln. So obviously it was um, Lincoln's Lincoln's re-election re and his his views, even though the country and the South had surrendered, wasn't fully accepted by everybody. And I think John Wilkes Booth is a kind of a representation of that that faction of people in the South. 
Um, so yeah, leads to three days later, Lincoln goes to Ford's Theater in DC. Um, he's attending a performance of Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater. He's in the presidential kind of sort of booth suite, whatever you call it. Um, and he shot point blank with a Philadelphia Derringer by John Wilkes Booth um, and dies about nine hours later on April 15th at 7.22 a.m. So obviously, you know, the, the nation at this point has lost their leader. Um, the leader that led them through the Civil War um and yeah it's it i can't imagine what that i don't know i can't imagine what that the that day or two surrounding the lincoln assassination assassination had to feel like i mean you got to think the war's over there's got to be this great sense of like peace or not peace but like relief i guess relief is the right word that the war's over and make you know things can go back to normal you know, obviously there's a lot of people that have lost loved ones in the war. And so I think there's this huge sense of relief that's kind of swept across the nation. And then a few days later, you've got the president of the United States being assassinated. So I wonder what that time was like. I, I, I wish I could like go back to, to feel those, those, to that like first few hours, that first day, those first few days, what that had to feel like. I mean, can't imagine. Yeah, and this is before like social media and news broadcasts. Uh, if you're a civilian down in, out in, I don't know, let's say Ohio, you hear that the president's been assassinated. Um, the secretary of state was also um, experienced an attempted assassination um as a coordinated attack with one of with one of john wilkes booth's co-conspirators so uh, i would think you hear those two stories you're kind of wondering are we going back into war is mm -hmm. this going to be a recurring um like guerrilla type of warfare that they're going to be carrying out so mm -hmm. i think it would have been a nerve-wracking couple of weeks at least um for kind of the average citizen even guys maybe that were returning from the army kind of wondering yeah. if they're gonna like it's they just realized they yeah like they just escaped made it through the the four or five years of the war and now wonder if they're gonna have to yeah not, yeah not, go back not, to the front lines not to mention you still had actually some confederate um some of the confederate army still fighting in the exactly South. so yeah and, you know the war you know obviously the surrender at appomattox courthouse kind of marks this definitive, I mean, as we look back on it, it marks this definitive moment in history where the Civil War kind of ended. But, you know, you got to realize that not everybody surrendered on that day. So, and it wasn't like they're like, okay, Lee's done. You know, everybody's done. There were still some armies that, you know, I mean, there was battles that were, or skirmishes fought for, I think, several months. So you've got, you know, several days after Lee surrenders, you know, it's just, the country's still in a bit of upheaval, but I think you've got this little sense of, as, a, as an average citizen, you're like, oh, Lee surrendered, that's the majority of the Confederate Army, the war's over. 
And then all of a sudden this happens. You're like, whoa, what, where, what's, what's going to happen? And from what I understand, I think that was what Booth's intention was, was to kind of resurrect the Southern cause um, and continue, continue the war, obviously. Um, that didn't happen, didn't pan out the way he hoped, but um, yeah, that was his, was his, uh, his goal. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast too. I always, I mean, you, you hear the name John Wilkes Booth and you just think Lincoln's assassin, but at the time he was a very prominent actor too. Like this wasn't just like some rando assassinating the president. This was like, it would be like uh, Ben Affleck or Ryan Reynolds assassinating the president. And so you gotta like imagine too, like I would, I would think like some people are like, whoa, like does this, I wonder if, I wonder if people thought, does this person represent a large portion of the population? Like, or, you know, or just, I, I mean, I think, I think about it in today's terms and I'm like, if a, if a prominent person did something like that, you'd be like, wow, there, I wonder if there's a, there's, I mean, if this person has millions of followers and millions of people love this person, does that sort of sentiment that they took action on or, you know, resonate with the people that love them like or or look to them as a i don't know a celebrity you know like i just i wonder if that at all played a factor too his popularity yeah going going off of that it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh the bubble that the celebrities of today live in because you look at john wilkes booth and he thought that like his action would um essentially like spark spark a second wave of revolution from the south where most people that actually live through um their farmlands homes being ravaged torn down destroyed during battles the people that experienced the real brunt of the war mm. were ready to move on at that point yeah and i think he but he still he lived up north um in washington for the whole course of the war so he wasn't really wasn't really in touch with what um the people he thought he was representing were really experiencing so i don't know i kind of draw the comparison to the celebrities of today that carry out the social justice crusades thinking that they're um representing a cause but in reality are just showing that they live they live in a bubble and really are not in touch not in touch at all with uh with the reality of um you know the everyday everyday person yeah that's a very good point yeah i think one of the things um in, in one of the podcasts i listened to about lincoln's assassination they talked about um john wilkes booth and they were saying how he was basically like he didn't fight at all so like he he you know, he had this cause that he believed in that he, uh, you know, went, went to the extent of assassinate, assassinating the president, but, you know, he didn't actually fight for it. So he was kind of like a, a poser, so to speak. He had this cause, but he didn't really, he was too, too afraid to actually go and fight for it. And it, it kind of reminds me of, to a certain extent, celebrities nowadays too, where it's, they're willing to 
you know, post their social media campaigns and all this stuff. But when it really, when rubber hits the road, they're not actually willing to stand up for the things they say they believe in. Um, and granted, he went to the, I mean, in the end, he did go to the extent of assassinating the president. But I think like, yeah, I don't know. I think um, in many ways you kind of see that. Yeah, just kind of that removed from reality mentality of a, a celebrity in, in John Wilkes Booth. So after um, Lincoln's assassination, a uh, funeral was held at the White House on April 19th, 1865. Um, and then a funeral train took his body from DC uh, to Oak Hill Cemetery in Georgetown. And um, then the funeral train uh, left there and actually took the bodies of him and his son Willie um, and returned to Springfield, Illinois. And they stopped along the way. Um, in different cities in the Northeast and Midwest. It's kind of a funeral procession. And then he was laid to rest in Springfield, Illinois. His tomb, you can actually, you know, go there and see it. I've been there. Um, it's a, a pretty somber place to go and visit. Um, but it's, it's also pretty, it's pretty interesting. It's one of the few things, you know, Illinois, Illinois got the body. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's and that's how we 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 stole the stole the term land of Lincoln. So, you know, I guess he I guess he spent enough years there where we just decided to eh, send him to Springfield. Um, <laughs> don't send him to Indiana. Um, but yeah, it's um, I think I've also been to the Lincoln uh, Memorial in. DC, and that's a pretty cool place too. The Lincoln Monument, Lincoln Memorial. What is it called, guys? Why am I blanking on this? Is it the memorial or is it I a think it's The memorial, the right? Memorial, Lincoln Memorial, right? Yeah. The one on the penny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a pretty cool place. You get to see the the big statue of Lincoln sitting on the chair. I mean, that's a pretty pretty powerful place too. Um, but yeah, I mean. The legacy of Abraham Lincoln, when I, when I think about his legacy, I think of several things. I think of the man that preserved the Union at all costs. He stood up for what he believed in and what he set out to do with the um, abolishment of slavery. He didn't back down. He stuck to his gun, stuck to his words. And also, I think you can't, you can't talk about the legacy of Lincoln without talking about his leadership and statesmanship, even in some of the most difficult times in American history, um, like we talked about with his, his efforts to keep a country, even in the midst of civil war, um, united as much as possible through his through his words through his outreach to try to bring the 
bring people together. Um, I think Lincoln is a symbol of unity. He's a symbol of fighting for everything that is true. I think when I think of defenders of truth, defenders of freedom, Abraham Lincoln comes to mind, not only in the physical sense of keeping, you know, a country together, but also fighting for the freedom of the American people, the freedom of all Americans to have the same amount of opportunity and equality across the board. And I think that's something um, that will always live on in the legacy of Abraham Lincoln. You guys have any last thoughts on Lincoln? Um, I think you said it pretty well, Aiden. I think it is really his, his determination to keep America united that really shines a light on all the other things he did because he was very focused on that main mission. And so slavery was to keep, ending slavery was to keep America together keeping the South in the Union was to keep America together. He wanted Americans to see each other as a free people. He didn't want us to be in slavery of any kind. And I think he wanted us to see that America is the place other people to see what freedom looks like, so that they too can choose to have freedom in their place in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, we can all, if all of us embody just a little bit of that and live that day, live that sort of mentality, the Lincoln mentality out in our everyday lives, I think America would be a, a, a far better place. So with that, guys, um, sure. yeah, definitely. Jake, you have anything before we close out? Um, I guess just one thing I didn't mention that stood out to me about him was just how he never wavered mm-hmm. in any of his beliefs. Like everything, every speech that he gives, there's like a, I don't know, like a continuity to it. Um, and that's, again, something that you don't really see nowadays and. Uh, really any politicians that I could think of every they seem to be all over the place with their statements and beliefs but he was he was uh, yeah stuck to his guns and didn't uh, didn't waver so that's something that I learned about him through my research on this podcast and have really come to admire yeah it's hard not to admire that I think and uh, yeah we could all probably use a little bit of that yeah in our in our beliefs too just to never back down for what we believe in 
So yeah, with that, thanks to everyone for tuning into this episode of the Green Dragon Podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, you can drop us a like, leave us a comment or review. If you like what you heard and want to give us a follow, go to the Green Dragon Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, and True Social, the Green Dragon Pod on Rumble and Twitter. You can listen to the show everywhere uh, you go on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. So you can listen to us all the time. New podcast every Friday, 6 a.m. EST. That's when they get posted. I'm not up then. I automatically schedule them. (laughs) Um, But until next time, be safe, fight for what you believe in, and most importantly, be a good American. God bless.